When we think of bravery, we normally think of physical strength and fortitude, like running into the battle to take the high ground or into a burning building to rescue someone. We might even think bravery is having a stiff upper lip and not letting others see us cry or be weak. Today's scripture is all about courage, but it's a different kind of bravery. Stephen's story reminds me of Brene Brown's words on courage. As a social worker and a professor, she has a book called Daring Greatly, and in it she uses a quote from Teddy Roosevelt to describe courage. He said, It is not the critic who counts, but the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. She describes that person as being all in and adds something surprising to this definition of courage. As we dare to show up and let ourselves be seen, we are vulnerable, taking personal risk with what matters most to us. And that is the ultimate daring greatly. In our scripture for today, we see what kind of courage the Holy Spirit gives when we're facing opposition. Stephen was in the arena. And as he did so, it was there that he encountered God even more than he had before. Stephen has just given a powerful defense of his faith in Jesus Christ before the Sanhedrin, just like Peter did in Pastor Nathan's sermon from last week, and as Jesus did with the same counsel a couple years earlier. Notice the courage the Holy Spirit gives Stephen when he's facing his opposition. There were so many choice points for him, and without the Holy Spirit at work, if I'm honest— I could imagine facing that life and death situation and wanting to run back down, change my message to appease or even flatter the crowd, or at least to not defend my cause when dragged before the angry court. But by God's grace, Stephen didn't have a human response. He didn't play it safe. He spoke boldly, even sharing vulnerably about his vision of God. The Holy Spirit gives courage that changes us and how we respond to oppression and those who persecute us. So let's read the text together to find out more about this, starting with verse 54. Now, when they had heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Powerful words. The crowd is enraged. They're grinding their teeth. They're obviously deeply threatened by Stephen's words. And despite the fact that he knows he's in mortal danger and about to be dragged to his death, Stephen encounters God. He's full of the Holy Spirit and he has an angelic vision. Behold, I see the heavens opened 
and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Stephen was caught up in glory. I wanted you to take a moment for some holy imagination about what Stephen might be seeing. What do you see when you imagine the heavens opened? We know that Stephen saw beyond this plane of existence to the eternal, everlasting glory, the light of lights, the King of Kings seated upon his throne. And I think of how Revelation describes heaven, and I imagine the radiance, majesty, joy, celebration, wonder, worship, and joy. What he saw must have overwhelmed him. And in the presence of Jesus and that scene of perfect love, I imagine it cast out all fear. He knew Jesus when he saw him. And what a profound contrast to what he was experiencing on earth and knowing what was about to happen to him. Notice how this vision only intensifies their rage. We pick up the story again in verse 57. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. So this angry mob is rushing towards him. They're bending down to pick up large rocks at their feet to throw at him until his body is so bruised and crushed that he breathes his last breath. Many years ago, I was in a tour bus in Bethlehem, back before security wasn't what it is today, and then a few years later on another in Northern Ireland that had license plates from the Republic of Ireland. Both buses were stoned as we drove through certain neighborhoods. Each time, the bus shook from the great blow, and the sound was chilling. It felt like an explosive had detonated. As I looked back, and I saw what had hit us, I realized these were not sort of small fist-sized stones, but giant rocks, more like a watermelon than an orange. And as terrifying as it was to me and the other passengers, I can't imagine what Stephen experienced. The vision he had been given of Jesus on his throne to welcome him home seemed to overshadow the horror. The way Stephen lived his life prepared him for how he would die. That Holy Spirit had been forming courage in him as he had healed and served and stepped up. Stephen was one of seven elected and anointed to provide relief to the poor because he was known as someone full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. He did wonders and signs among the people, even as he was hauled before his accusers. When he spoke in the council, all saw his face shone like that of an angel, just like Moses' face when he descended the mountain and Jesus' face at the transfiguration. That shining face was an unmistakable sign of an encounter with God, and yet the momentum of the crowd drove them to kill him. They didn't want to be wrong or to have to see things from a new perspective. They believed they defended God's honor in doing so, And so we have our first Christian martyr. God's spirit in him was reflected to those around him, even if they chose not to see it. 
noticed Stephen's choices as his life drew to a close. He said words just like Jesus. We see this in verses 59 through 60. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. The Holy Spirit gave him words of courage and compassion. Stephen entrusted his life and death to Jesus, asking him to receive his spirit just as Jesus had done with the Father. He also forgave his persecutors. He didn't harden his heart to them, but he was free of anger or ill motive towards those who were taking his life. And we recall Jesus' words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Stephen was able to forgive them because he sees the situation with God's eyes. Supernatural grace gave him love for those who were killing him. And Stephen was abandoned to God. And it was God's compassion that had motivated his life, so he was able to offer God's compassion to those who persecuted him. That is proof to me that with God, nothing is impossible. Stephen's vision and ability to forgive just as his Lord did on the cross were possible because Jesus had overcome death and sin at his execution. This was so that you and I might participate fully in God's mercy by his Holy Spirit in us and join in God's final homecoming. I wonder how many believers witnessed this execution and thought, well, this must be the end of the Jesus movement. If Stephen could be killed, what hope do the rest of us have? But God was planting seeds. So what is the outcome of Stephen's martyrdom? Verse eight, chapter 8, verse 1 tells us, And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. What that meant was that the gospel went forth far and wide, and this act of evil God was able to use for good, as Joseph said to his brothers in Genesis, what you intended for evil, God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. We also hear that the faithful buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. And notice even in their great grief, pain, and sorrow over their loss, God is still active. Despite this tragic story, God was busy planting seeds. Even in the heart of a scholar and a son of a rabbi who was deeply committed to cleanse the people of God from a corrupting message through both imprisonment and persecution. This young man, Saul of Tarsus, is there at the scene as one who is approved of the execution. Garments are laid at his feet. Luke includes such an intimate detail by focusing our attention on the person off to the side, collecting the coats. And we're told after this event, that Saul ravaged the church and entered house after house 
and dragged off men and women to prison. We're hearing this story in the book of Acts, and only two chapters later, Saul becomes Paul because he too has his own encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, and he's forever changed. He beholds the glory of God for himself. And it is he who takes the good news of the gospel far and wide in the Roman Empire, from Spain to Turkey to Rome and Greece. Luke knew it mattered to Saul's later conversion that he was here and now in Stephen's story. We may today believe we are witnessing the end of the world as we know it. There's all kinds of opposition and turmoil going on right now. And when I look at Stephen's story, I see that Jesus is on the throne, working in a terrible situation, and it tells me that he can bring good out of even the most difficult circumstances. This is still true today. The Holy Spirit is available for us to have compassion for those who persecute us and to see Jesus in the heavenlies, even as our world seems to totter and feels unstable. As we feel the fear, uncertainty, and chaos pressing in, let us ask for more and more of His Holy Spirit to give us courage here and now. Let us enter whatever arena God is calling us to today, open to an encounter with the living God. He will supply us with all the courage we need for His will to be done. Jesus embodied courage in His life ministry, death, and resurrection. He gave his life for our sins that we might be made right with God so that our eyes and ears could be opened to behold God's glory, to hear his voice, and to enjoy eternal life with him. Are you, like me, needing more of God's Spirit at work in me to be a person of courage and compassion in the face of opposition? If so... Please pray with me. Almighty God, open our ears to hear your voice. Open our eyes to behold our Savior Jesus and your throne of grace where all is made whole, right, and at peace. Help us dare greatly as you fill us with more and more of your Holy Spirit courage. We want to join your better story than any the world has to offer until the day we come home to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.